Section thirteen of the Cathedral by Jory Karl Heismans, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirteen. To change his weariness of the place, Durtal one sunny afternoon went to the further end of Chartres to visit the ancient church of Saint Martin du Val. It dated from the tenth century and had served as the chapel by turns of a benedictine house and of a capuchin convent restored without any too flagrant heresies it was now included in the precincts of an asylum and was reached by crossing a yard where blind folk in white cotton caps sat nodding on benches in the shade of a few trees its small squat doorway and three little belfries as if it had been built for a village of dwarfs attested its romanesque origin and as at saint radegonde of poitiers and notre dame de la couture at le mans the interior opened under an altar very much raised above the ground into a crypt lighted by loopholes borrowing their light from the ambulatory of the choir the capitals of the columns coarsely carved resembled the idols of oceania under the pavement and in the tombs lay many of the bishops of chartres and newly consecrated prelates were supposed to spend the first night of their arrival at the sea in prayer before these tombs so as to imbue themselves with the virtues of their predecessors and enlist their support the manes of these bishops might very well have whispered to their present successor monseigneur de mauflaine some plan for purifying the house of the virgin by turning out the vile musician who degrades the sanctuary on sundays to the level of a music-hall sighed durtal but alas nothing disturbs the inertia of that aged and invalid shepherd who is indeed never to be seen either in his garden in the cathedral or in the town ah but this is something better than all the vocal flourishes of the choristers said durtal to himself as he listened to the bells aroused from silence to shed the blessed drops of sound over the city he called to mind the meanings ascribed to bells by the early symbolists durand of mande compares the hardness of the metal to the power of the preacher and thinks that the blows of the tongue against the side aim at showing the orator that he should punish himself and correct his own vices before he blames those of others the wooden cross-beam to which the bell is suspended resembles in form the cross of christ and the rope pulled by the ringer to set the bell going is allegorical of the knowledge of the scripture which depends on the cross itself according to hugh of saint victor the tongue of the bell is the sacerdotal tongue which striking on both sides of the body declares the truth of both testaments finally to others the bell itself is the mouth of the liturgy and the tongue its tongue in fact the bell is the church's herald its outer voice as the priest is its inward voice durtal concluded while meditating in this wise he had reached the cathedral and for the hundredth time stood to admire those powerful abutments throwing out with the strong curve of a projectile flying buttresses like spoked wheels and as usual he was amazed by the flight of the parabola the grace of the trajectory the sober strength of those curved supports still said he to himself as he studied the parapet raised above them bordering the roof of the nave the architect who was content to stamp out those trefoil arches as if they were punched in that stone parapet was less happily inspired than certain other master masons or stoneworkers who enclosed the little gutter path they made round church roofs with scriptural or symbolical images such an one was he who built the cathedral at Royer, where the top parapet is carved alternately into fleur-de-lis and st peter's keys and he who at caudebec sculptured the edge into gothic letters of a delightfully decorative character spelling a hymn to the virgin thus crowning the church with a garland of prayer wreathing its head with a white chaplet of aspiration 
durtal left the north side of the cathedral went past the royal door and round the corner of the old tower with one hand he held on his hat and with the other grasped the skirts of his coat which flapped about his legs the storm blew permanently on this spot there might not be a breath of air anywhere else in the town but here at this corner winter and summer there was always a blast that caught cloaks and skirts and lashed the face with icy thongs that perhaps is the reason why the statues of the neighbouring north door which are so incessantly scourged by the wind stand in such shivering attitudes with narrow and tightly drawn raiment their arms and legs held close thought durtal with a smile and is it not the same with that strange figure dwelling in companionship with a sow spinning though it is not in fact a sow but a hog and an ass playing on a hurdy-gurdy on the storm-beaten wall of the old tower these two animals whose careless herd he seems to be represent in their merry guise the old popular sayings nesus minerveum and asinus ad liram which may be freely rendered by every man to his trade and never force a talent for we should but be as inept as a pig trying to be wise or an ass trying to strike the lyre but this angel with a nimbus standing barefoot under a canopy supporting a sundial against his breast what does he mean what is he doing a descendant of the royal women of the north porch for he is like them in his slender shape sheathed in a clinging robe with string-like pleats he looks over our heads and we wonder whether he is very impure or very chaste the upper part of the face is innocent the hair cropped round the head the face is beardless and the expression monastic but between the nose and mouth there is a broad slope and the lips parting in a straight gash wear a smile which as we look seems just a little impudent just a little vulgar and we wonder what manner of angel this may be there is in this figure something of the recalcitrant seminarist and also something of the virtuous postulant if the sculptor took a young brother for his model he certainly did not choose a docile novice such as he who no doubt served for the study of joseph standing under the north door he must have worked from one of the religious girovagoi who so tormented st benedict a strange figure is this angel who has a father at laon behind the cathedral and who anticipated by many centuries the puzzling seraphic types of the renaissance what a wind muttered durtal hastening back to the west front where he went up the steps and pushed the door open the entrance to this immense and obscure church is always coercive we instinctively bend the head and advance cautiously under the oppressive majesty of its vault durtal stopped when he had gone a few steps dazzled by the illumination of the choir in contrast with the dark alley of the nave which only gained a little light where it joined the transepts the christ had the legs and feet in shadow the body in subdued light and the head bathed in a torrent of glory durtal gazed up in the air at the motionless ranks of patriarchs and apostles and bishops and saints in a glow as of dying fires dimly lighted glass guarding the sacred body at their feet below them they stood in rows along the upper story in huge pointed settings with wheels above them showing to jesus nailed to earth his army of faithful soldiers his legions as enumerated in the scriptures the legends the martyrology durtal could identify in the armed throng of the painted windows st lawrence st stephen st giles st nicholas of myra st martin st george of cappadocia st symphorian st philip st foy st lomer and how many more whose names he could not recollect and paused in admiration near the transept in front of a figure of abraham fixed forever in a threatening gesture holding a sword over a crouching isaac the blade shining brightly against the infinite blue 
he stood admiring the conceptions and the craftsmanship of those thirteenth-century glass workers their emphatic language necessary at such great heights the way in which they had made the pictures legible from a distance by introducing a single figure in each whenever that was possible and painting it in massive outline with contrasting colours so as to be easily taken in at a glance when seen from below but the triumph of this art was neither in the choir nor in the transepts of the church nor in the nave it was at the entrance on the inner side of the wall where on the outside stood the statues of the nameless queens durtal delighted in this glorious show but he always postponed it a little to excite himself by expectancy and revel in the leap of joy it gave him repetition of the sensation not having yet availed to weaken it on this particular day under a sunny sky these three windows of the twelfth century blazed with splendour with their broad short blades the blade of a claymore flat wide panels of glass under the rose that held the most prominent place over the west door it was a twinkling sheet of cornflowers and sparks a shifting maze of blue flames a paler blue than that in which abraham at the end of the nave brandished his knife this pale limpid blue resembled the flames of burning punch and of the ignited powder of sulphur and the lightning flash of sapphires but of quite young sapphires as it were still infantine and tremulous and in the right-hand pointed window he could distinguish in burning red the stem of jesse figures piled up espalier fashion in the blue fire of the sky while to the left and in the middle scenes were shown from the life of jesus the annunciation palm sunday the transfiguration the last supper and the supper at emmaus and above these three windows christ hurled thunder from the heart of the great rose the dead emerged from their graves at the trumpet call and st michael weighed souls how did the glassmakers discover and compound that twelfth-century blue wondered durtal and why have their successors so long lost it as well as their red in the twelfth century glass painters made use chiefly of three colours first blue that ineffable uncertain sky-blue which is the glory of the chartres windows then red a purplish red full and important and green inferior in quality to the two others for white they preferred a greenish tinge in the following century the palette is more extensive but the stain is darker the glass too is thicker and yet what a glowing blue of pure bold sapphire tone the artists of the furnace had at their command and what a fine red they used the colour of fresh blood yellow of which they were less lavish was if i may judge from the robe of a king near the abraham in a window by the transept a daring hue of bright lemon but apart from these three colours which have a sort of resonance and burst forth like songs of joy in these transparent pictures others grow more sober the violets are like orleans plums or purple egg-fruit the browns are of the hue of burnt sugar the chive-coloured greens turn dark but what masterpieces of colour they achieved by the harmony and contrast of these tones and with what skill did they handle the lead lines emphasizing certain details punctuating and dividing these paragraphs of flame as if with lines of ink and another thing which is amazing is the perfect agreement of all these various crafts practised side by side treating the same subjects or supplementing each other each by its own mode of expression under one guiding mind contributing to the whole with what a sense of fitness and with what skill were the posts distributed the places assigned to each as beseemed the purpose of his craft the requirements of his art architecture having finished the lower portion of the edifice retires into the background to make way for sculpture giving it the fine opportunity of the doorways and sculpture hitherto invisible at excessive heights as a mere accessory suddenly finds itself supreme 
with due sense of justice it now comes forward where it can be seen and the sister art retires leaving it to address the multitude giving it the noblest framework in those arched doorways imitating a deeper perspective by their concentric arches diminishing and retreating to the door frames in other instances architecture does not give everything to one art but divides the bounty of her great facade between sculpture and painting reserving to the former the hollows and nooks where statues may find niches and giving to glass painters the tympanum of the great door where at chartres the image-maker has displayed the triumph of christ this we see in the great west doors of tours and of reims this plan of substituting glass for bas-reliefs had its disadvantages seen from outside their wrong side these diaphanous pictures look like spiders nets on an enormous scale and thick with dust with the light on them the windows are in fact grey or black it is only by going inside and looking back that their fire can be seen flashing the outside is here sacrificed to the inside why perhaps said durtal answering himself it is symbolical of the soul having light inwardly an allegory of the spiritual life he took in all the windows of the nave with a rapid glance and it struck him that their effect was a combination of the prison and the grave with their coals of fire burning behind iron bars some crossed like the windows of a jail and others twisting like black twigs and branches is not glass painting of all arts that in which god does most to help the artist the art which man unaided can never make perfect since the sky alone can give life to the colours by a beam of sunshine and lend movement to the lines in short man fashions the form prepares the body and must wait till god infuses the soul it is to-day a high day of light and the son of justice is visiting his mother he went on as he walked to where the pillared thicket of the choir ended at the south transept to look at the window known as notre dame de la belle verrière the figure in blue relieved against a mingled background of dead-leaf orange brown iris violet plum green she gazed out with her sad and pensive pout a pout very cleverly restored by a modern glass painter and durtal remembered that people had come to pray to her as he now went to pray to the virgin of the pillar and notre dame de Souterre. such devotion was a thing of the past the men of our time need it would seem a more tangible a more material virgin than this slender fragile image hardly visible in dark weather nevertheless a few peasants still kept up the habit of kneeling and offering a taper before her and durtal who loved these old neglected madonnas joined them and invoked her too two other windows also appealed to him by the singularity of the figures perched very high up in the depths of the apse and serving as attendant pages at a distance to the virgin holding her son in the centre light commanding the whole perspective of the cathedral these each contained in a light-toned lancet a barbarous and grotesque seraph with sharply marked features white wings full of eyes and robes with jagged strap-like edges of a pale green colour their legs were bare and they were represented as floating these two angels had jujube yellow aureoles tilted to the back like sailors hats and this ragged attire the feathers folded over the breast the hat of glory with their general expression of refractory wilfulness suggested the idea that these beings were at once paupers apaches or moecans and seamen as to the remaining windows especially those which included several figures and were divided into several pictures it would have needed a telescope and have taken many days of study only to make out the story they told and discover the details and months would not have sufficed for the task since the glass had been in many cases repaired and often replaced without regard to order so that it was especially difficult to decipher it 
an attempt had been made to count the number of figures represented in the cathedral windows they were as many as three thousand eight hundred and eighty-nine in the medieval times everybody had been eager to present a glass picture to the virgin not cardinals only kings bishops and princes canons and nobles but the corporations of the town also had contributed these panels of fire the richest such as the guilds of drapers and furriers of goldsmiths and money changers had each presented five to our lady while the poorer companies of the master scavengers and water carriers the porters and rag pickers each gave one pondering on these things durtal wandered round the ambulatory and paused in front of a small stone virgin ensconced at the foot of the stairs leading up to the chapel of saint pierre constructed in the fourteenth century as a sort of outbuilding behind the apse this virgin dating from the same period had shrunk into the shade effacing herself deferentially leaving the more important places to the senior madonnas she carried an infant playing with a bird in allusion no doubt to the passage in the apocryphal gospels of the infancy and of thomas the israelite which shows us the child jesus amusing himself by modelling birds out of clay and giving them life by breathing upon them then durtal continued his walk through the chapels stopping only to look at one which contained relics of opposite utility and a double purpose the shrines of saint pierre and saint taurinus the bones of the former saint were displayed to secure dry weather in times of rain and those of the second to invoke rain in times of drought but what was far less comforting and more irritating even than this array of side chapels with their wretched adornment with names that had been changed since their first dedication so that the tutelary protection earned by centuries of service had ceased to exist was the choir battered dirty degraded as if on purpose in seventeen sixty three the old chapter had thought fit to deface the gothic columns and to have them colour washed by a milanese lime-washer of a yellowish-pink speckled with grey then they had abandoned to the town museum some magnificent pieces of flemish tapestry that screened the inner circuit of the choir aisles and had put in their place bas-reliefs in marble executed by the dreadful bungler who had crushed the altar under the gigantic group of the virgin and mischance had helped in seventeen eighty nine the sans culottes were intending to destroy this mountainous assumption and some ill-starred idiot saved it by placing a cap of liberty on the virgin's head to think that some beautiful windows were knocked out in order to get a better light for this mass of lard if only there were the slightest hope of ever getting rid of it but alas all such hopes are in vain some years ago when monseigneur regnault was bishop the idea was indeed suggested not of making away with this petrified lump of tallow but at least of getting rid of the bas-reliefs then the prelate who stuffed his ears with cotton for fear of taking cold set his face against it and for reasons of equal importance no doubt the sacrilegious hideousness of this assumption must be forever endured and the marble screens as well but though the interior of this choir was a disgrace the groups round the ambulatory of the apse and the outer wall of the choir were well worth lingering over these figures under the canopies and tabernacles carved by jean de Beauce began on the right by the south transept went round the horseshoe behind the altar and ended at the north transept where the black virgin of the pillar stands the subjects were the same as those treated in the small capitals of the royal doorway outside the church above the panegyric of the kings saints and queens they were taken from the apocryphal legends the gospel of the childhood of mary and the proto-evangelist james the less the first of these groups was executed by an artist named jean soulas the contract dated january second fifteen eighteen between this sculptor and the delegates of the authorities conducting the works of the church still existed 
it set forth that jean soulas a master image-maker dwelling in paris at the cemetery of saint jean in the parish of saint jean en greve pledged himself to execute in good stone of the tonnerre quarry and better than the images that are round the choir of notre dame de paris the four first groups of which the subjects were prescribed and explained in consideration of the sum of two hundred and eighty livres tournois which the chapter of chartres undertook to pay him as he might require soulas who had undoubtedly learned his craft from some flemish artist produced certain little genre pictures well adapted by their spirit and liveliness to cheer the soul that the solemnity of the windows might have depressed for in this aisle they really seemed to let the light filter through indian shawl stuff admitting only a few dull sparks and smoky gleams the second group representing st anna receiving from an unseen angel an order to go to meet joachim at the golden gate was a marvel of grace and subtle observation the saint stood listening attentive in front of her fold-stool by which lay a little dog and a waiting-maid seen in profile carrying an empty pitcher smiled with a knowing air and a wink in her eye and in the next scene where the husband and wife were embracing each other with the trepidation of a worthy old couple stammering with joy and clasping trembling hands the same woman seen full face this time was so delighted at their happiness that she could not keep still but holding up her skirts was almost in the act of dancing a little further on the image-maker had represented the birth of mary a thoroughly flemish scene in the background a bed with curtains on which st anna reclined watched by a maid while the midwife and her attendant washed the infant in a basin but another of these bas-reliefs close to the renaissance clock which interrupts the series of this history told in the choir aisle was even more astonishing in this mary was sewing at baby clothes while reading and st joseph asleep in a chair his head resting on his hand was instructed in a dream of the immaculate conception of the virgin and he not only had his eyes shut he was sleeping so soundly so really that one could see him breathe one felt his body stretching relaxing in the perfect abandonment of his whole being and how diligently the young mother stitched while she was absorbed in prayers her nose in her book never certainly was life more closely apprehended or expressed with greater certainty and truth to life caught in the act at the instant ere it moved next to this domestic scene and the adoration of the shepherds and angels came the circumcision of jesus with a white paper apron pasted on by some low jester then the adoration of the magi and jean de soulas and the pupils of his studio had finished the work on their side they were succeeded by inferior craftsmen francois marchand of orleans and nicolas guibert of chartres and after them art went on sinking lower and lower down to one sieur boudin who had dared to sign his miserable puppets down to the stupid conventionality of jean de dieu le gros duby and mazieres to the cold and pagan work of the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries but there was an improvement in the eight last groups opposite the virgin of the pillar some simple figures carved by the pupils of soulas these however were to some extent wasted since they stood in the shadow and it was almost impossible to judge of them in that half-dead light in reviewing this ambulatory in parts so pleasing and in others so unseemly durtal could not help recalling the details of a similar but more complete work one that had not been wrought in succeeding ages and disfigured by discrepancies of talent and date this work was at amiens and it likewise was the decoration of the outer aisle of a cathedral choir this story of the life of saint firmin the first bishop and patron saint of the city and of the discovery and translation of his relics by saint salvo was told in a series of groups that had been gilt and painted 
then to complete the circuit of the sanctuary the life of the second patron of amiens had been added saint john the baptist and in the scene of the baptism of christ a fair-haired angel was represented holding a napkin an ingenuous and arch being one of the most adorable seraphic faces ever carved or painted by flemish art in france this legend of saint fermain was set forth like that of the birth of the virgin at chartres in separate chapters of stone surmounted in the same way with gothic canopies or tabernacles and in the compartment where saint salvo surrounded by the multitude discerns the beams which radiate from a cloud to indicate the spot where the lost body of the martyr had been buried a man on his knees with clasped hands seems to pant uplifted in prayer burning projected by the leap of his soul his face transfigured turning a mere rustic into a saint in ecstasy already dwelling in god far above the earth this worshipper was the masterpiece of the ambulatory at amiens as the sleeping saint joseph was of the bas-reliefs at chartres take it for all in all said durtal to himself that work in the picardy cathedral is more explicit more complete more various more eloquent even than that of the church in la bosse irrespective of the fact that the unknown image-maker who created it was as highly gifted as soulas with acute observation and persuasive and decided simple-mindedness and spirit he had besides a peculiar and more noble vein of feeling and then his subjects were not restricted to the presentment of two or three personages he frequently grouped a swarming crowd in which each man woman or child differed in individual character and feature from every other and was conspicuously marked by that unlikeness so clear and living was the realism of each small figure after all thought durtal looking once more at the choir aisles as he turned away though soulas may be inferior to the sculptor of amiens he is none the less a delightful artist and a true master and his groups may console us for the ignominious work of bridon and the atrocious decoration of the choir he then went to kneel before the black virgin and returning to the north transept near which she stands he gazed once more in amazement at the incandescent flowers of the windows again he was captivated and moved by the five pointed windows under the rose in which on each side of the mauresque saint anna stood david and solomon a forbidding pair in a furnace of purple and melchizedek and aaron with tawny complexions and hairy faces with enormous colourless eyes standing out passionless in a blaze of daylight the radiating rose window above them was not of the vast diameter of those in notre dame de paris nor of the incomparable elegance of the star-patterned rose at amiens it was smaller and heavier sparkling with flowers like saxifrages of flame opening in the pierced wall durtal turned on his heel to look at the south transept where five great windows faced those on the north there he saw blazing like torches on each side of the virgin placed exactly opposite saint anna the four evangelists borne on the shoulders of the four greater prophets saint matthew on isaiah saint luke on jeremiah saint john on ezekiel saint mark on daniel each stranger than the other with their eyes like the lenses of opera glasses their hair in ripples their beards like the uptorn roots of trees excepting saint john who was always represented as a beardless youth in the latin mediaeval church to symbolize his virginity but the most grotesque of these giants was perhaps saint luke who perched on jeremiah's back gently scratches the prophet's head as if he were a parrot while turning woeful meditative eyes up to heaven durtal went down the nave darker than the choir the pavement sloped gently to the door for in the middle ages it was washed every morning after the departure of the crowds who slept on it and he looked down in the middle 
on the labyrinth marked out on the ground in lines of white stone and ribbons of blue stone twisting in a spiral like a watch-spring this path our fathers devoutly paced repeating special prayers during the hour they spent in doing so and thus performing an imaginary pilgrimage to the holy land to earn indulgences when he was out in the square once more he turned back to take in the splendid effect of the whole before going home he felt at once happy and awe-stricken carried out of himself by the tremendous and yet beautiful aspect of the church how grandiose and how aerial was this cathedral sprung like a jet from the soul of a man who had formed it in his own image to record his ascent in mystic paths up and up by degrees in the light passing through the contemplative life in the transept soaring in the choir into the full glory of the unitive life far away now from the purgatorial life the dark passage of the nave and this assumption of a soul was attended supported by the bands of angels the apostles the prophets and the righteous all arrayed in their glorified bodies of flame an escort of honour to the cross lying low on the stones and the image of the mother enthroned in all the high places of this vast reliquary opening the walls as it seemed to present to her as for a perpetual festival their posies of gems that had blossomed in the fiery heat of the glass windows nowhere else was the virgin so well cared for so cherished so emphatically proclaimed the absolute mistress of the realm thus offered to her and one detail proved this in every other cathedral kings saints bishops and benefactors lay buried in the depths of the soil not so at chartres not a body had ever been buried there this church had never been made a sarcophagus because as one of its historians old Rouillard, says it has the pre-eminent distinction of being the couch or bed of the virgin thus it was her home here she was supreme amid the court of her elect watching over the sacramental body of her son in the sanctuary of the inmost chapel where lamps were ever burning guarding him as she had done in his infancy holding him on her knee in every carving every painted window seen in every story of the building between the ranks of saints and sitting at last on a pillar revealing herself to the poor and lowly under the humble aspect of a sunburnt woman scorched by the dog days tanned by wind and rain nay she went lower still down to the cellars of her palace waiting in the crypt to give audience to the waverers the timid souls who were abashed by the sunlit splendour of her court how completely does this sanctuary where the sweet and awful presence is ever felt of the child who never leaves his mother lifts the spirit above all realities into the secret rapture of pure beauty and how good must they both be durtal said to himself as he looked round and found himself alone never to abandon this desert never to weary of waiting for worshippers but for the honest country folk who come at all hours to kiss the pillar what a solitude it would be even on sunday for this cathedral is never full however to be just at the nine o'clock mass on sundays the lower end of the nave is thronged and he smiled remembering that end of the church packed with little girls brought in schools by sisters and with peasant women who not being able to see there to read their prayers would light ends of taper and crowd together closely several looking over one book this familiarity this childlike simplicity of piety which the dreadful sacristans of paris would never endure in a church was so natural at chartres so thoroughly in harmony with the homely and unceremonious welcome of our lady a thing to be ascertained said durtal starting on a new line of thought is whether this church has preserved its surface uninjured or whether it may not have been coloured in the thirteenth century 
some writers assert that in medieval times the interiors of cathedrals were always painted is that the fact or admitting that the statement is correct as to all romanesque churches is it equally so with regard to gothic churches for my part i like to believe that the sanctuary of chartres was never befooled with gaudiness such as we have to endure at saint germain des prés in paris and notre dame la grande at poitiers in fact such colour can only be conceived of if at all as used in small chapels why stain the walls of a cathedral with motley for this tattooing so to speak reduces the sense of space brings down the roof and makes the pillars clumsy in short it eliminates the mysterious soul of the nave and destroys the sober majesty of the aisle with its feebly vulgar fret or guilloche lozenges or crosses scattered over the pillars and walls in a paste of treacly yellow endive green vinous purple lava drab brick red a whole range of dull and dirty colours to say nothing of the horror of a vault dotted with stars that look as if they have been cut out of gilt paper and stuck against a smalt background a sky of washing blue it is endurable if it must be in the sainte chapelle because it is very small an oratory a shrine it might even be intelligible in that wonderful church at brou which is a boudoir its vaulting and pendants are in polychrome and gold and the ground has been paved with enamelled tiles of which visible traces remain round the tombs this gaudiness of the roof and floor was in harmony with the filigree tracery of the walls the heraldic glass and the clear windows the profusion of lace-like carving and coats of arms in the stonework blossoming with bunches of daisies mingling with labels mottoes monograms st francis's girdles and knots the colouring was in keeping with the alabaster retables the black marble tombs the pinnacled tabernacles with their crockets of curled and dentate foliage we can then quite easily imagine the columns and walls painted the ribs and bosses washed with gold and making a harmonious whole of this bonbonniere which indeed is a piece of jewellery rather than of architecture this building at brou was the last effort of medieval times the last rocket flung up by the flamboyant gothic style a gothic which though fallen from its glory struggled against death fought against returning paganism and the invading renaissance the era of the great cathedrals ended in the production of this exquisite abortion which was in its way a masterpiece a gem of prettiness of ingenuity of tormented and coquettish taste it was emblematic of the soul of the sixteenth century already devoid of reserve the sanctuary too brightly lighted was secularized we here see it fully blown and it never folded up or veiled itself again we discern in this a lady's bower all paint and gold the little chapels or pews with chimney-places where margaret of austria could warm herself as she heard mass furnished with scented cushions provided with sweetmeats and toys and dogs brou is a fine lady's drawing-room not the house for all comers then naturally with its screen-work and the carving of the rude loft stretching like a lace portal across the entrance to the choir it invites it almost requires some skilful tinting of the details the touches of colour that complete it and harmonise it finally with the elegance of the founder the princess marguerite whose presence is far more conspicuous in this little church than is that of the virgin even then it would be satisfactory to know whether the walls and pillars at brou ever were really painted the contrary seems proven but in any case though a touch of rouge might not ill beseem this curious sanctum it would not be so at chartres for the only suitable hue is the shining greasy patina grey turning to silver stone colour turning buff the colouring given by age by time helped by accumulated vapours of prayer and the fumes of incense and tapers 
and durtal arguing over his own reflections ended by reverting as he always did to his own person saying to himself who knows that i may not some day bitterly regret this cathedral and all the sweet meditations it suggests for after all i shall have no more opportunities for such long loitering such relaxation of mind since i shall be subject to the discipline of bells ringing for conventual drill if i suffer myself to be locked up in a cloister who knows whether in the silence of a cell i should not miss even the foolish cawing of those black jackdaws that croak without pause he went on looking up with a smile at the cloud of birds that settled on the towers and he recalled a legend which tells that since the fire in eighteen thirty six these birds quit the cathedral every evening at the very hour when the conflagration began and do not return till dawn after spending the night in a wood at three leagues from chartres this tale is as absurd as another also dear to the old wives of the city and which tells that if you spit on a certain square of stone set with black cement into the pavement behind the choir blood will exude ha ah, it is you madame Bavoil. yes our friend i myself i have just been on an errand for the father and am going home again to make the soup and you are you packing your trunks my trunks why are you not going off to a convent said she laughing would not you like to see it exclaimed durtal catch me at that enlisting as a private subject to a pious drill one of a poor squad whose every movement must mark time and who though he is not expected to keep his hands over the seam of his trousers is required to hide them under his scapulary ta 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 interrupted the housekeeper i tell you once more you are grudging bargaining with god but before coming to so serious a decision it is quite necessary that i should argue all the pros and cons in such a case some mental litigation is clearly permissible she shrugged her shoulders and there was such peace in her face such a glow of flame lurked behind the liquid blackness of her eyes that durtal stood looking at her admiring the honesty and purity of a soul which could thus rise to the threshold of her eyes and come forth in her look how happy you are he exclaimed a cloud dimmed her eyes and she looked down envy no one our friend said she for each has his own struggles and griefs and when he had parted from her durtal as he went home thought of the disasters she had confessed the cessation of her intercourse with heaven the fall of a soul that had been wont to soar above the clouds how she must suffer no no he said the service of the lord is not all roses if we study the lives of the saints we see these elect tormented by dreadful maladies and the most painful trials no holiness on earth is no child's play life is not amusement to saints indeed even on earth excessive suffering finds compensation in excessive joys but to other christians such small fry as we are what distress and trouble we question the everlasting silence and none answers we wait and none comes in vain do we proclaim him as illimitable incomprehensible unthinkable and confess that every effort of our reason is vain we cannot cease to wonder and still less cease to suffer and yet and yet if we consider the darkness about us is not absolutely impenetrable there is light in places and we can discern some truths such as this god treats us as he treats plants he is in a certain sense the soul's year but a year in which the order of the seasons is reversed for the spiritual seasons begin with spring followed by winter and then autumn comes followed by summer the moment of conversion is the spring the soul is joyful and christ sows the good seed then comes the cold and all is dark 
the terror-stricken soul believes itself forsaken and bewails itself but without its feeling it during the trials of the purgatorial life the seed germinates in the contemplative peace of autumn and flourishes in the summer life of union ay but each one must be the helping gardener of his own soul listening to the instructions of the master who plans the task and directs the work alas we are no more the humble labourers of the middle ages who toiled giving god thanks who submitted without discussion to the master's orders we by our little faith have exhausted the value of prayer the panacea of aspirations consequently many things seem to us unjust and cruel and we rebel we ask for pledges we hesitate to begin our task we want to be paid in advance and our distrust makes us vile o lord give us grace to pray and never dream of demanding an earnest of thy favours give us grace to obey and be silent and i may add said durtal to himself as he smiled on madame mesurat who opened the door in answer to his ring grant me lord the grace not to be too much irritated by the buzzing of this great fly the inexhaustible flow of this good woman's tongue end of section thirteen